Come on, you excited to be at church this morning? It's a fantastic day to be gathered together and to be in a community of believers and to have a powerful moment like that of worship. Just excited and uh, just, man, it just feels good in here. Does it feel good? And does the room, is it just me? Was it just kind of my, my chair only or does it just feel good across the room? If you're watching online this morning, I hope you feel it as well. I hope it's powerful in the presence of God. Everything is possible to change in your life. So many things that we carry on, that we bring with us, man, you're in the right place at the right time this morning because we believe there is power in the name of Jesus. We have just a lot happening here at the Avenue. Let me get, take a moment and give you an idea. Small groups are happening, and you should be in one. We believe everybody should be in a small group. A small group is basically what we do to break this church down into smaller groups. It's brilliant, right? Just a classic idea. And so last week we began having two services. We split from just the 10 o'clock to a 9 and a 10.30. Welcome to the first service. And I was thinking this morning, I was like, you know, there's some great advantages to being at the first service. One, you're going to get home for the football game, right? Two, you still got time to get brunch. So all the breakfast lovers, like you get out of church, you're like, I'm going to order the breakfast menu still. Come on, anybody feel me? Come on, where we at? Brunch people, yes. Three, the preacher can't go long because there's another service. You got the second service? I can go all day. It's unending, right? It's like eternity. But the first service, no, we got a stopping point to get out, change out the parking lot, get the kids. We went, we went to two services last week, and we're carrying that on, and it was such a success. It was a big win. The, the team did a phenomenal job. We had about a 50-50 split in both services attendance, so thank you for a couple things. Thank you, one, for just making that move and saying, we're in, Pastor. We're going to do whatever it takes because we see the bigger picture. We're going to make room for people that are not yet here. We're going to add, add more chairs, and we're going to make more space, and the kids' rooms are going to have more, uh, more, more uh, space in there as well. And so, so much is happening because of it, and our team just came together so well and did so much. And so, um, we're just in a, in a healthy place right now and in a good spot. So, as you're bringing people, come to either service because they're both about just right. It's the same service on both sides, but just know that we are making more room so that your friends and family can experience what you're experiencing as well. Isn't that good, good news? Small groups are happening. Break down this into smaller groups throughout the week. I had a great time yesterday. We went golfing. Come on, somebody. I needed an excuse to go golfing, you know? Like, I just had, a, I had no reason. But we went out and had a fantastic time. Like, six of us were out there. And we had a, a great time, lots of fun. Be in a small group. Get to know somebody. I got to build some relationship and, and get to know people. They got to know me that we don't get all that time here because you're kind of on a time crunch. Um, and some great things happening. Also, if you are a part of the avenue, um, we also have moved the, this portion of the service, the receiving of the tithe and offering, in, back into the middle here because at the end we want to give more time to just really give a moment to receive from God, a moment to just pr um, uh, to pr give perspective to the message and have a moment there to just really receive from God and just make a decision. It's important that we're making a decision for the message, the word that God brings. We don't come just to have a good message and share our hands and just raise our hand and move on. No, no, there's got to be an action step. There's got to be something. And so you step out during the week, but the moment of faith happens in the moment that you hear about it. That's when you step in and say, okay, God, I'm going to make the adjustment. I'm, I'm committing myself. I'm, I'm going to give my life to you. Or I'm going I'm to change this area of my life. Or I'm going to make this decision. And there's faith for that decision that happens. It's a faith-filled moment 
So we want to give a little bit more space for that as well. And so um, you'll see on the screens, I'll put the information for your giving, your faithfulness, your tithe, your offering. You can text it in. You can use the online. You can use the drop box in the back over there. And it's just a great, uh, amazing thing. We're able to go to two services and do all of this because of your giving and because of your faithfulness. And you're saying, Pastor, we believe in what's happening here at the Avenue and we believe in what's going on. Shout out to our dream team, our kids team that is just doing so well back there. And it's just Tori and Tommy are just leading a fantastic group of people and if you're leaning in back there if you're volunteering in the kids we love you we thank you for doing that you may be sitting in this service and about to go serve in that that the next service thank you for doing that thank you for taking care not just babysitting but teaching the next generation teaching our children about God and his love for them amen Amen. come on if you got your Bibles turn with me to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 is a great story it's somewhat familiar If you've been around church some, you probably know the story we're going to dive into this morning, but I just want to pull a couple thoughts out of it. We're in a series called DNA. These are the values, the behaviors, the culture setters for the avenue. If you're new, you're trying to figure out who we are, these really help, will help you line it out. If you you miss part of this series, you can jump on YouTube, you can watch the other three. This is part number four. We still have two more parts to go, and this really will help us line out, not only to discover if you're learning who the avenue is, but for those that are here to help us stay on the path. They're like guardrails. Like the guardrail is there to keep you on the right road, and they kind of keep us from straying. And so when you put these in place, listen to me, you should have values for your family. You should, and if you don't have any, inherit these, like steal these, borrow these. And take some of these and incorporate them into your family. The first week we talked about Jesus over everything. That above all, first and foremost, is Jesus Christ. He's over our schedules, our calendars, our thoughts. He's over what I want to say to somebody. He's over my life. He's over my thoughts. He's over everything. He's over the sin, my past. He is over everything. First and foremost is the foundational truth that he is above all. And then we talked about community, and we're going to move into the space of community and be with each other and, and how important we have to be committed to community. Last week we talked about the Bible that we built on the Bible, the foundation of God's Word. And how many of y'all jumped into the 90-day New Testament Bible reading challenge? Come on. 46 people, I believe, jumped in on the app. I don't know how many people did it on their paper Bibles as well. If you didn't do it, you still can you still can do it. Join in with us. And listen, if you started it and you stopped and you missed a day, guess what? I'm in that club too. I was, I was in my reading and I just realized, I think it was Friday, I just completely missed my 90-day Bible challenge reading. Hey, you crawl before you walk. Now, I have, other, I have other reading plans and I have, like many of you do, but this day of this particular reading, I just, I just missed it altogether. And I realized I didn't read yesterday's reading. So I went back and made it up. Like, it wasn't like I just quit. Well, I just failed. I'm a failure. I may as well quit now and walk away. No, I just picked it up and kept going. Because that's what we do. Like, it, you're gonna, you may have a stumble. You may have a moment. You may have a, a missed day. Don't stop. And if you haven't started yet, start now. And it's not about how much we get done. It's about doing it and building the, rep- the repetition into our lives of reading the Word of God because we build our lives on the Bible. Point number four, value number four in our series this morning is simply this. We pursue people. People are the heartbeat of God. People are the high value of our God. People are the reason 
people are the, that you look across the world and the, the earth and creation, the existence, people are what move God. He didn't give his son for animals. He didn't give his son for ideas, for concept. He gave his only son for people, for you and for me. And so the God we serve has this high value towards people. You and I must as well, not optional. Not optional. Look at somebody and say, not optional. It is a requirement now that we move into this space that we have a high value and we pursue people just as God pursued you and I. This story picks up right here in Luke 10, verse 30. And in reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three people do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Jesus posed that question. And the expert in the law, the lawyer, the scribe, he replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I want to read one more verse out of Proverbs chapter 3, story from the Old Testament, a verse from the, from the Old Testament, story from the New Testament, a verse from the Old Testament. It says this in Proverbs 3, do not withhold good from those who deserve it. Underline the word deserve. If, you're, if you have your Bible, if you're on a phone, just kind of hold it down and highlight it. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. Oh, that's a good verse right there. That'll bring a little bit of challenge into your life. That'll bring a little bit of conversation into your thoughts. If it's inside of my power to help them, I can't hold back. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this space and in our lives. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. God, you're so good to us. Now, speak to us this morning. God, and give us a heart to receive this challenge that we will pursue people, that we will have the heart of God when it comes to humanity. In Jesus' name, everybody said, in life, we pursue many things. Many things. I wake up in the morning pursuing a cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. I'm in pursuit. Nothing's going to stand in my way. Like, it's straight to the Keurig. Like, I'm, I'm going to make the cup of coffee. We pursue things. We pursue jobs. We pursue positions. We pursue prestige. We pursue status. We pursue people liking us. We pursue a relationship. We pursue money. We perceive anything that you have that you're going after in life is a pursuit. Again, nothing is wrong with those things we listed there. We have to understand that in our lives, there is something we are pursuing. Pursuing is not necessarily the challenge we all face. 
The fact that we're pursuing something. Like, it's like you have somebody, sometimes the most frustrating person is the person who has no ambition at all, right? The person who just kind of doesn't, doesn't have a pursuit, doesn't, the, the few that just can't get themselves motivated to gain anything, and yet still in their pursuit, their pursuit is to not pursue anything. And the reality is, is each one of us are getting everything we apply ourselves to and for. So we have this space that pursuit is constantly in our lives. And as I was building out this message, I couldn't go back. I couldn't help but go back to the time that I could remember my life as a single person. If you're single here this morning, being pursued or pursuing somebody is crazy. It can be exhilarating and exhausting all at the same time. It can be fun, fantastic, and frustrating all at the same time. Somebody's pursuing you, you're pursuing them, you're wanting to be pursued, you're not wanting them to pursue you, you're trying to pursue somebody that doesn't want the pursuit on that. Like, it's crazy. Like, it can be this fantastic time and this frustrating time all at once. Why? Because as people, we are naturally inclined into a pursuit. I will tell you my age with this one story. If you're new here, you need to know this about Tara and I. We met on MySpace. She denies it. But I got the microphone. And we did. We met in a green room behind a conference. We shook hands. We said hi. And it lasted like other oh, 10 seconds. So I found her on MySpace, and I began pursuing her. And I wrote her the longest email probably ever written in my life, detailing my story from birth. <laughs> because the pursuit was on. And you realize that you're in this space, and we have something we naturally are pursuing every day. Yet, maybe when I said we pursue people, you didn't really feel comfortable with that. You're like, you know what, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I don't know about pursuing people but maybe the problem wasn't so much with the word pursuit. It was more with the word people. It was more with, you know, Pastor, I was thinking when you said we pursue people, you would say more like the pursuit of people is more of a problem because you got that problem of people in your life. That problem of people that, those people that challenge you, that hurt you, that abandon you, that they, they, they don't bring life to you. They take energy from you. They make withdrawals and never make deposits. The problem of people, and you're like, Pastor, if you were talking about the pursuit of people, and I, I'm, kinda, I'm following you, but maybe people were more so a problem. Maybe you were thinking like, you know, Pastor, what about if we pursued people who were like the people that are a pain, like the people that are just really just painful to, I, I, and, and you kind of See, you want to continue the conversation and continue the sentence into the people that are problems, the people that are pain, the people that they, they, they don't add value to your life, and yet those are the very people. Listen to me. There are people in your circle that I most likely don't have access to, and the same is true for me. And so the people inside of my circle and in your circle are the people you have a responsibility to God to pursue no matter what. Despite the pain, despite the problems, despite everything about them, God has given you influence and access to pursue them. But oftentimes we judge it and gauge it based on how we treat each other, how well we are towards each other. 
And yet in our story, this man did not because as this man, the Samaritan sees this man on the side of the road who has been beaten and left for dead, it gives us a really good picture of humanity today that the enemy has come along and beaten down people, believers, unbelievers, people that love God, people that don't love God. And he's taken them and he's stripped them of their purpose and he's robbed them of their joy and he's left them on the side of the road dead. That's why the scripture says in John 10, 10, he says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Because if he can steal and he can rob from you the very life that God gives you so that you just I don't want to pursue anything. I don't want to have purpose and meaning. I don't want to have a healthy ambition. I don't want anything out of this life. And you're on the side of the road and you're lying there and you see somebody in that state. This is the picture of humanity that God came for and we must have eyes and vision for as well. Because this picture that Jesus is painting of this story in this space is this man. And the first person to come along is the priest. Hello, a.k.a. the pastor. And the pastor comes along, and he sees the man on the side of the road. There he is. And he's on the same side. Notice they're on the same side. They're on the same side of life. And the man, the priest, the pastor, crosses over as if it's too much of a problem. You know, sir, I've got to get ready for Sunday. I've got a message to write. I've got to do a couple things still. I got I got some stuff in the in the office. I've got some tasks I've got to tend to, and 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 so I'm not going to be able to take some time and help you. And the very person that the message is for gets ignored because we can get caught up in trying to create messages, and ideas, and concepts. And as pastors and as leaders, oftentimes the church overlooks the very people that God set us in this place for. And so we must always keep our heart postured in a place that we don't overlook somebody thinking that I have to do this task and this thing. This man just walks on by. The next person to come by is a Levite. The Levite is a leader. The Levite is a leader in the church. He's a leader in, in the house of God. He, maybe at the avenue he's a dream team leader. Maybe he's on a team and he has influence and he has access and, and he's able to lead teams. And he comes by and he as well sees the man and crosses over because he looked at the man and said, listen, we got a problem. People are not responding to requests on PCO and I got to go figure it out. Somebody else will help you. And if you don't know what PCO is, join the dream team. And if you're not responding to requests, you need to. There's my plug. Listen to me. <laughs> so this man gets so busy he even misses the moment that he needs to, that he is there for. Well, you know, I got I to set up chairs, Pastor. Sir, you're going to have to wait a minute. I, you know, I, I got I to gotta unlock the building. I got I to gotta get the kids ready. I got a song. I'm leading a solo. I got a solo in the song today. Like, I got to do it. It's got to be right. And so, you know, like we can so miss out on the person because of what's happening. And so all of a sudden, a Samaritan comes along. And the Samaritan is somebody who had no relationship with this man. A Samaritan was somebody who was marginalized by the Jewish society. They did not want, they were highly, highly bigoted against them. There was a lot of racism towards the Samaritans. And so when Jesus drops this bomb on them and says, this man came and helped him, it would blow their minds. Because in this moment now, they're thinking, there's no, no Jesus. This is going, this is not reasonable. 
Not reasonable, Jesus. There's no way. No, but this man, this is why at the end of the story, the man states, the, the scribe, the lawyer, he says, when Jesus poses the question, then who was the good neighbor? The man couldn't even bring himself to say, the Samaritan, he was such a racist, he said, the one who did good. Because he wouldn't even name the fact that that man fulfilled his purpose of that person. And oftentimes we allow things in our lives perspectives. They didn't vote the way I voted. They don't think the way I, they have different values than my family has. They, they were raised different. They look different. They, they smell different. They, they feel, we don't have a lot in common. And we'll put a box around somebody and box them in. And the more boxes cre creates more space to get away. And we allow busyness and we allow boxes to keep somebody on the side of the road, beaten and robbed of their life, left to die. And I want to challenge you this morning, because this story doesn't end. Even though the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that would be very discouraging if I said, now let's pray. Because Jesus picked it up from there, and he gave the very reason in the same verse. He said, but I, Jesus, have come to give life, and life more abundantly and to give more life so that those who were left for dead can still find life. And oftentimes we feel like if we're ruined, we're finished. And that is not the story of the gospel. And you and I have a responsibility to let somebody know who is left for dead. It hurts. I know what happened to you. I don't know what happened to you. I don't have to understand this. I just have to be available to you, and I must pursue the very heartbeat of God, these people. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Number one, three easy steps. Easy, easy steps to pursuing people. Sometimes I just give you steps of action. These are easy. One, people deserve our compassion. People deserve our compassion. People deserve our compassion towards him. Luke, in, the, in verse 33, he said, and when he saw him, he had pity on him. He had compassion towards him. How many of y'all, how many of you, how many of you, there's, there's two people in the room. When you get sick, you'll be left alone. You don't want to be tended to. You don't want to see anybody. You want to go off by yourself, give me my medicine, I'll door dash my food, I'll make my own soup, I'll be out of service for three days, I'll see you all in 72 hours. Where are you at? Yeah, you're weird. <laughs> me. No, this is me. I'm sick. Y'all need to know. <laughs> Everybody's got to find out. Okay? Like, if you want to give me some attention, a little extra love and care, you want to make me some extra soup, you know, make me some rice, you know, I'm kind of hungry. What do you need, pastor? I can always eat. You know, like, I, I, there's, there's, there's two types of people. The people, when they get sick and they get a cold, it's like, listen, I'm going away. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I get a cold, and Tara's like, uh, you know, you, what, what is it? You, what, do you, and I'm like, I don't know what it is. You never know. <laughs> you just never know these days, you know. But it's bad, I can tell you, you know. Because people want compassion. And some people don't. 
And it's hard to give compassion to somebody that wants it. It's easy to when somebody receives it. It's hard to when somebody doesn't know how to receive it. Typically, those that receive it well give it well, and those that don't receive it well don't know how to give it well. And so we're in this space of tension because we need to understand that people deserve this compassion we can give them. And God does not consult he doesn't look into your pedigree to see about your purpose. And so your past, who you were, you hang up, all these different things, who you are right now, none of this determines whether or not this person deserves compassion. The world deserves the compassion of the church. The world deserves the compassion of the church. And if you're not sure about the truth of that statement, go back to Romans 5, 8 when the Bible clearly tells us that while we were sinners, when I was in my stuff, when I was making my mistakes, when I was far from God, I didn't love him or care about him. It was at that moment that God demonstrated his love and compassion towards me and gave his son Jesus for my sins in my life and yours. So it doesn't matter where somebody is on any level of measurement that you might use or a scale you might try to weigh. It matters only if they are living and breathing, they deserve your compassion. It's hard. It's hard because we want to get judgmental. Well, that man shouldn't have been on that road. <laughs> that, man, that man shouldn't have been there. It was a dark, it was, it was cold, cold, dark night. It was, everybody knew, don't take that road. He should have had more sense. We told him a thousand times, don't do that. She knew better. They deserve your compassion, not your judgment. And you struggle with it, as many people do. Let me give you a little hint. Ready? If you struggle with giving people the compassion they deserve, it's really deep really powerful. Pray for them. I told you, you're going to be like, ah, did he say pray? I was thinking he was going to say something else, like a better note. No, pray for them. Pray for them. Prayer for somebody else creates compassion for them. You ever try praying good over somebody who is not in a good place? Jesus is very sneaky sneak. He comes along and tells us, hey guys, listen, when you have an enemy and they did something bad to you, they weren't nice to you, they cursed you, they lied about you, they stole from you, they're just toxic to you, here's what I want you to do, post on Instagram about them, subtweet them, talk about them without naming them, call everybody and let them know, don't trust this person anymore. And he says, pray for them. Pray for your enemy. And it's very sneaky. Why? Because prayer, <laughs> prayer ends up changing me. So if I'm lacking compassion for somebody, but I begin to pray for them, it is amazing how my natural thinking and mind begin to uh, lower and decrease but my spiritual intensity and my awareness that God, his love for them, begins to increase. And so now as I'm praying for this individual, suddenly compassion explodes in my heart. And I can't help it. 
And sometimes I get frustrated about it because I, I know what's going to happen. And so do you. And that's why you're somewhat resistant to that principle that if you'll pray for them, you'll find compassion for them. Because we don't always want to give compassion to people based on if we think they deserve it. But Jesus doesn't give any kind of baseline. He just says, no, that man pitied him. And it's about time we begin to have compassion for people. Micah 6, 8 says it this way. What does the Lord require of you? He requires of you to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly. To do what's right, to show compassion, and walk in humility before God. Imagine what our cities would look like if there was a large group of people at the avenue that began to just administer compassion on our community without drawing lines, boxes, or marginalized people. Number two, write this down. Because they deserve our compassion, they deserve our care. I told you they're easy steps. Verse 34, he went to him, bandaged up his wounds, and poured oil and wine. And I love this because it's a step of action. Because what he didn't do was go, hey man, listen, you're on my prayer list. We're going to be praying for you at the church. Hope it works out for you. I don't even know your name, but there was a man. He was in bad shape, but we're going to pray for him. Hey, we're going to, you know, we're just going to lift you up, man. No, no, he went to him. Modern language, ready? He went to him. He picked him up, put him in a suburban, and he drove him where he needed to get to. Hello, the very mission statement of the avenue, we exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. So if they're in this space and they need compassion, and they need care, I'm willing to, at my own expense, do what I need to do to get them to the place where they can become healthy again. Oh, this is the calling and the mandate of the church. This very thing right here is the pursuit of people, that I will, I will refuse to let somebody stay in this space and be by themselves and be alone and die. And I will pick them up, and I will carry them to where they need to get to. It will cost you something. It will take away from you. It will be something of, of value that you have to sacrifice and put on the line. And yet somehow, we want to weigh that out. Well, pastor, that's going to be completely inconvenient. That is the most inconvenient thing, pastor. I know it is. I've been there. I also read a story in the Bible about God, and he sent his son Jesus, and it was real inconvenient to carry a cross. It was real inconvenient to die on a cross. It was real inconvenient to be in that space and give his life for people that wouldn't come and say thank you. Because there are people that Jesus died for that will never recognize the death that he gave and the sacrifice he made. And yet he did it anyway because of compassion. David Livingston, a, a famous missionary, said, Sympathy is no substitute for action. It may start with a feeling. It can't end there. So what are we going to do about it? It may start recognizing the need. That's the beginning place, but we must act on it. From the very beginning of the Avenue Church, most of y'all don't know this story. We launched this church four and a half years ago. We were supposed to launch five years ago at this time. September 24th was our, or 17th was our launch date. And we were supposed to take off and, and, and have church. You know the story. Five years ago, a hurricane came through here and wrecked everything. And in August... We had to make a decision and go, listen, it's not a good time for the church 
to be launched on the heels of devastation in the very city that we want to reach. So let's pivot and put off launching the church, if you will, having services until January. But in the meantime, we're still going to be the church. We're just not going to have church services. And so we took what money we had. We took what people we had. We had some volunteers. We had some team. And we gathered together, and we just went out, and we were in the boats rescuing people, and we were out mucking homes, and we were out helping people put their lives back together, and we were leaning in, and people were like, what, what church are you part of? The Avenue. Oh, where's that at? Here. Like, not here, but wherever I'm standing at the time, that's where I'm at. That's the church. Oh, well, well, where do you guys meet? We don't. It's coming. Oh, well, what do you do? This. Why? Because we don't need this to reach them. And so we, it, from the very foundation, we said, you know what? We're going to have to delay this in order to actually be the hands and feet and go into spaces. And because how selfish would it have been to try to be like, hey, everybody, I know everything's messed up in your homes. Your, your cars are flooded. Uh, your home, you, can't have, you don't have anywhere to live. But by the way, uh, we have a service. It's at 10 a.m. Why don't you come join us? It's crazy. It's so inward focused. And as a church, we must be, remain looking outward. There must be a vision for the world. Here's a scripture. Here's a scripture you should write down. James 4, 17. If anyone, talking about people deserve care. If anyone that they ought to do doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. A lot of times in the church, because like people are like, Pastor, can you tell me exactly what sin is? And the best way I can describe sin is that they, you missed the mark. You tried and you failed. You took a shot and you missed. And we all do. We all have a history and a past that we missed the mark. But what happens on the other side? And the Bible here in James clearly tells us the good you know you ought to do if you refuse to do it. It's kind of this sin. Therefore, that's why I can say we have a responsibility and an obligation to give people compassion, and to give them care. And we can't do everything, but we can do something. Because each one of us can. But that's why your individual tithe goes much further, because we all together do it. And that's why your individual effort goes much further, because we all do it. There's not one person in the back leading kids. There's a whole team of them. There's not one person up here trying to be the individual DJ and do everything all at once. No, no, there's a whole team. Why? Because I can do something. Do not refuse to do something because you feel you can't do everything. And yet, and yet this is the beginning place. This is the starting place. Write, write this down, number three. People deserve our commitment. They deserve our care, our compassion, and our commitment. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii. Theologians count up to two weeks worth of hospital bills or two months worth of hospital bills, somewhere in there. And that's a great amount because I don't know that I can afford two hours worth of hospital bills. So I'm kind of like, I'm out of the debate. I'm just saying, like, it was very generous of whatever you did. But he provided for them. Look after them, he said, and when I get back, I'll reimburse you for anything extra you got to do. 
Because people not only deserve our care and compassion, they deserve our long-term commitment. Hear me now. At the end of a service, when we close our eyes, and I say, if today you want to make a life, take your life and surrender to Jesus and give it to him and receive him as your savior for your sin, would you just do me a favor and shoot up your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Let's say that every Sunday. This is not the start and the end. We are not in the game for hands up only. We're not here just to check the box. Somebody got saved. We rejoice. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. It's the greatest choice I've ever made, and you have as well. However, we must give people our long-term commitment because Jesus said it this way, Matthew 28, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our water baptism is coming up in October, fulfilling the commandment of Christ, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The goal is discipleship. The goal is development. The goal is to grow somebody, not to just go hands up, good, awesome. Think about this you're married, you understand this. We all get this, but practical application. My original illustration, that when I got married and I was in pursuit of my wife, she was running. I'm just faster than her, so I caught her. Frankie laughed. As I'm pursuing her, we arrive at the altar. We give our vows. Well, that's good. Married. Whew, the hard work is done. Right, everybody laughs. Right? As if the hard work is finished because the pursuit is over and we're married. And yet, I'm pretty sure the hard work just began. This Wednesday, we celebrate 15 years of being married. This, this Wednesday, come up. Thank you. I worked harder after than I did before. Come on. It's a long-term commitment. I do means every day I do again. Therefore, as a believer, because this is the illustration God gives us that when we, as a church, when you become a believer, you are now the bride of Christ and Jesus, the bridegroom, and he's coming for this church. And when he does, he'll be received and we'll go to heaven together. So if this is the metaphor that he's using, therefore, it's a long-term commitment. He's willing to give us eternity and he's willing to stay with us right now in the fight. And we must be willing to stay committed into the long term with people as well. Discipleship. Doing and going above and beyond. The long term commitment. When I was in Bible school, my sister Sarah and Brandon and I went to Bible school together in Pensacola. And we had this extra activity we were required to do. Brandon probably going to laugh. He remembers this. We, we had to go. He doesn't even know what I'm going to say. He laughed already. We had to go and do evangelism on Friday nights. And you had to go to either the strip club or the beach. It's hardcore. Right? I mean, it's, this is Bible school. They're going to get you, you know, really. And so I go to the beach. And you would just stand outside the club, like 
trying to convince people not to go in or have conversation, whatever they did. So I went to the beach because I like the beach. So <laughs> I had a little bit of, so I'm at the beach and we're hanging out and they just had a real weird way. I'm just going to be honest with you, a real weird way of doing this evangelism. Like just walk up to somebody and, you know. So I would, one of my favorite pastimes, it happens sometimes, is somebody will witness to me. It still happens to these today. Not so long ago it happened. And I love to just stay there and listen to somebody. And I don't tell them, well, I'm a believer or I'm a pastor or anything. I just, yeah, really? And I ask questions and I have this conversation, right? And this guy at the beach, he must not have recognized me. He came up to me, this little kid, and he was just like, um, he had these note cards. <laughs> and he had these note cards. He was like, um, I just have a couple questions for you, sir. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, have you ever broken the Ten Commandments? Yeah, most of them, you know. He's like, okay, and, and so it goes to the thing. He's like, uh, would you like to pray with me right now to receive Jesus? And it's like, sure. So we pray, and I get saved once again at the beach. I'm out there with him, but he doesn't know, like, we're on the same team. I just want to see what he had to offer if it was different than mine, you know. And the moment he's like, he reads off his card. Okay, you're now saved. And I see him check something on a box. And he walks away. And I was like, man, I love your heart, but I hate your style. <laughs> because you just left me here. Go and make disciples. Get my information. Reach out to me. See how I'm doing. Invite me over. Call me. Check on, check on me. Invite me to church. Throw me in a small group. Have coffee with me. Encourage me. Pick me up. Do something for me. Don't just leave me here in this space and say goodbye. Well done. I, I did. God, I did it. We did nothing. He saved. We make disciples. And too many times we get caught up in, I got them saved. We didn't save anybody. We are saved by Jesus alone. But he calls us to make this. Think about it. What if, what if, what if. This is a terrible illustration. But just what if. I debated even saying this. What if the moment you got saved, out on Sunday morning, close your eyes, raise your hand, and your hand went up, and you prayed a prayer of faith in your heart and believed in Jesus, and at that moment, we shot a little blow dart, hit you in the neck, and you went, and you died. It's terrible, right? No, guess what? We don't do it. Why? Because you still have purpose now more than ever. Because you don't get saved to go to heaven. Heaven is our destination. People are our purpose. Therefore, in order to fulfill the purpose of life that I have now as a believer, post-salvation, I must have a perspective and a value and a culture that says, I will pursue people with compassion, with care, and with a long-term commitment. The avenue is here. We may be meeting in a racetrack. We're not going anywhere. We're not leaving. We're not folding up. We're not here just to say hi. We're not a pop-up. We are long-term doing this. And we need to realize and understand that we are playing the long game. Because the goal is discipleship. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. I like he said, as some understand slowness, because I think God's slow a lot of times. But my understanding of slowness is not God's. That's a whole other conversation. But he says, instead, he is patient with you, 
not wanting you to perish, but that everybody comes to repentance. You know how long it takes sometimes? It says in that great commission, teaching people to obey everything I've commanded you. Some of y'all, it takes a long time to teach you that. Long time. I know it took me a long time, and I'm still learning. I'm still trying to stay committed. I'm still living this life. Because the goal is long-term commitment. Let me give you a couple quick steps. Real quick. Because discipleship is helping, simply helping people take the next step. Discipleship is simply helping people take their next step. Number one, invite people to church. Invite people to small group. Invite people into your life. Offer to pick them up. My suburban, my donkey, I'll be by. I'm bringing the whip. We'll be over. You need a ride. I tell people all the time, if you come, meet me at the coffee bar. You can always find me at the avenue near the coffee. I'm around the coffee somewhere. Like, meet me there. I'd love to see you there, and I'll show you where everything's at. We'll get your kids checked in, show you where the restrooms are, get you a seat, introduce you to some people, invite people. And I have this challenge because there is such good application here. I've given you the theology, and I would say most of you are convinced, maybe everybody, but now it's time to take that step, that faith-filled step that slide up on the screen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take up your phone right now. Everybody take out your phone. Take out your phone. Take out your phone. Open up the notes. Wherever you keep things. Notes. And I want you to understand this challenge. We pursue people challenge. And I want you to make a list of three people. Three three individuals who God is putting on your heart maybe a mom maybe a daughter maybe a sibling maybe a friend maybe your dad maybe a cousin maybe a coworker and your three step challenge is simply to take this list that you're making right now and from this list, do three things. Pray for them or call them. Invite them. And encourage them. So write this down underneath. I'm going to pray for them daily. I'm going to encourage them weekly. I'm going to invite them regularly. These three people. These three. I'm going to pray for them daily. I'm going to encourage them weekly. I'm going to invite them regularly put those people on your list the people on your heart right now the people that God wants to reach right now the people in your life that you have access to that you are responsible for that God brings into your world that you can pray for that you can talk to that you can be the good Samaritan to that you need to be committed to, show care for, and have compassion for. I want you to just close your eyes for a second. I know some of y'all are still writing. 
but just just settle for a second settle and I know it's weird sometimes close your eyes like somebody go sneak up on me no I just don't want you to have distractions I want you to just think about the moment the very moment if you're a believer that you gave your life to God you made a full surrender to Jesus and who was responsible and a part of that who was that person who was a person that was a good Samaritan to you in that moment? Maybe it was in a church. Maybe somebody invited you to that church service. Maybe it was on an elevator. It was in a car. It was at a home. There was a moment that you made a decision. And who was there? Because somebody went out of their way to fulfill the Great Commission and to reach you. And you're here today because of that person. And now... We need to be that person and flip that and become the one and say, God, use me. I am going to invite them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to send them a text. Get in your phone and set up a daily reminder. I'm going to text this person every day. Hey, just thinking about you. I'm praying for you today. God loves you. I'm here for you, whatever you might need. Find a creative way to reach out to them and get in their world. Why? Because if God put them on your heart, he is in pursuit of them, and we need to be as well. And think about what happens when each one of us reach three. Just three. And you're going to reach more because you're going to get addicted to it. It's going to become natural to you. It's going to become a part of your DNA that you do this as well. You can look up. Open your eyes. I want you to see this scripture in Romans 9.25. Romans 9.25 says this. I will call, this is God, I will call nobodies and make them somebodies. And I'll call the unloved and make them be loved. This is the world that we are living in, the world that we're fighting for, the world that we have the privilege and the opportunity to pursue. I'll call nobodies and make them somebodies. I'll call the unloved and make them be loved. God, I thank you that in this space and in this room, you are here. You have drawn us to yourselves. But God, we are so grateful that it does not end at just us following you in salvation. But now you have given us a responsibility and an obligation. And we are now ambassadors to represent you and go into this world and just knock on the door of the people that we know and say to them the things that were said to us. God, because you are loving them and you are drawing them and you are not willing that any would perish and go to hell. And you are not willing that we would and neither are, should we about somebody else. And our lack of aggression to go and pursue somebody should not be relied upon desperation. But it should be a natural part of my life that I lean in daily to people in compassion and care and in this commitment. So God, I pray, make us your voice. Let us be your hands that reach out, your arms that extend, your feet that go. Let us show the love we have received back into this world. Oh God, there's people that have been problems and pains to us. There are people that have been challenges to us. But God, we refuse to dwell on that and we will dive back into this space that they are your children. 
and the people that are nobodies are now somebodies. And the people that nobody loved will be loved by you and by us. God, I pray your people, your people, your people respond to this challenge and we will pursue people. Stand up to your feet for a moment. Just stand to your feet. You got those names in your phone. They're in your mind. You can put your phone down. And I want you to renew a commitment or make a commitment. And just let God know, God, I will declare your name from the mountaintop to the street on Facebook and in conversations at work, at school, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing. I'm not just a Christian at church, but God, I will have the heart of God and pursue people as you pursued me. one or the other. You made a decision of one way or another. And that list you have in your phone, God put on your heart. Respond to it. Act on it. Do me a favor, and I want to talk to the other person now. Maybe you're here this morning, and you're the person on the side of the road that you've been left for dead, and nobody cares about you, and nobody loves you, and you've never experienced the love of God, and you've never known what it means to be a believer and, and to step into this faith and you're like, I want to I, I, I be a part of this, but I don't know what to do. Your very first step is simply to live a life to give your heart over to Jesus and fully surrender to Him. That's your first step. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just for personal, private. Just for a moment of privacy. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down to the front. And if you're here this morning and you just say, Dave, I just, I need to make that decision. I want to pray that prayer. Across this room, everybody in this space, those watching online, we pray this prayer together. And it is your starting point. It is first base. It is the first place you get to. From here, though, there's so much more to do. But this is your entrance now into God's family. And now heaven is your destination people become your purpose. So we're going to pray this prayer. 
You're going to check a box of some sort. You're going to do something. But know this is your starting point. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Pray it out loud. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean of every wrong and every sin and make me new. Now use me to pursue people and love them as you have loved me in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Come on, celebrate. Come on, put your hands together and worship God because of the amazing things you do. I only, can you imagine? I'm going to close, I'm close, I'm closing. Can you imagine what it's like when you take those three people on your list and you begin inviting them and they finally show up? Maybe somebody shows up next Sunday. Maybe it takes them a little bit of time, but they begin to. You have permission. <laughs> you got permission that when I say close your eyes and I ask for people to lift their hand, you have permission to do this. Because there's no greater feeling in the world than the person you invited. And you see them go, and you start getting like, oh, yes, thank you, God. And you begin to rejoice inside. You're like, that's the reason I've been texting, calling, and putting you on my donkey for that moment right there. Oh, can you imagine the moment they come out of the waters of baptism and they're soaking wet and they got water coming everywhere and you got tears gushing out of your eyes and your heart is exploding because you pursued them. God, let us walk in this pursuit.